How many know what a dead leaf looks like? Yeah. I was sharing on Wednesday night, so if some of you guys in men's group, may, some of this might sound a little bit like repeat, but that's all right. Just, I'm, I'm just chewing on it still, what I shared Wednesday evening. I felt like I want to share some more of that today in the message. Dead leaves. How many know that on a fall, windy fall day, very few, few things move more, move around more than dead leaves? I mean, they are blowing, they are moving, they're going from this corner to that corner to up against your house till there's about eight foot deep piles that you got to rake it in and beg your children to help you take them to the fire. No, they always willingly help. And uh, there's dead leaves everywhere at our house because we have oak trees all over the place. And so there's leaves everywhere. And on those windy days, we have so much movement going on around. And they are the busiest thing outside. You know what I'm talking about? And isn't it crazy, though? They're the busiest thing outside, and yet there's not an ounce of life in them. Amen? I just described a lot of the church. <laughs> Let's go home. <laughs> not just the church, people in general. Folks, there's two things that I'm noticing more and more and more and more, and I'm hearing more and more and more, and I'm experiencing myself more and more and more and more. Um, it is not, it is not, and, and let's not get into the eschatological end times, all the theories that have been around for a hundred years. That they can, let's not get into the specifics on that. Let's just look at reality. How many of you, especially those of you who are at least 30 years or older, and I'll, I'll let you in the 20s to 30s, you can probably say you feel this too, but the 30s and older is because you, you step back a little bit before cell phones and smart stuff because we weren't that smart prior to that. And um, how many know that life really does seem to be going by a lot quicker? <laughs> it is, right? I mean, it's on fast forward. The other day, I remember, you know, years back, I, I had a sick day, so I stayed in bed most of the day on Friday. And I remember back years ago, when you were sick and you stayed in bed, whether you were sick or not, it just felt like an eternity you were in bed, right? Well, I felt like I closed my eyes about three times and opened them up about three times on Friday, and Friday was done. I'm like, what in the world? I didn't think I slept that much, but the day just flew by and it just struck me again. I'm like... These days seem to be flying by a whole lot more. And what I'm finding, too, is this, that people have gone from uh, a focus on rest and peace to almost a desperation to love the misery of busyness. They're desperate to be busy and be miserable about it. Amen? In fact, it's almost as if if you're not busy, you are a substandard citizen. If you're not busy. But when we are, are busy and our schedules are busy, we complain about it. And we moan about it. But what we find is, the more things that we add to our schedule, the more those things take precedence over the things that really should matter to our lives. And so just like dead leaves, we are all over the place, but there's not an ounce of life 
in it. Who's hearing this? So, you know, what I do know, and boy, I've been preaching it, I know, for the last two months, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the old has gone, the new has come. I'm a new creature. You're a new creature. In who? So, the life that I try to keep making better, I better stop because I can't make this life better. The old cannot be made better. It's broken, it's ruined, it's soiled, it's filled with sin. It is to be dead, crucified. I'm crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Jesus Christ. Listen to me, see, it's new life. And I want that new life to be lived. But how many times do we have, and I know you guys are like, oh, you keep saying this, but I want you to think, how many times do we have the paddles ready to try to say clear and resuscitate the old life? Right? And then we get annoyed at ourselves for doing it, but we keep doing it. And I realize, and and I preached about this a couple weeks ago, but it keeps coming back to me. I really firmly believe that really the opposite of kingdom living, what stands in the way of kingdom living, what stands in the way of experiencing and giving God's love for us and everyone else, what stands in the way is self. And all the attributes that come with self, fear, failure, you know, fear is that core one. We were talking about that Wednesday night. Fear is that core one. But self. And what is that? We've resuscitated that old life, and we keep focusing in on who? When it is the Christ life in us, we're not looking at. We're looking at him and all that he has called us to. So one of the things that has kind of come to my conclusion, that I'm beginning to come to conclusion is, Lord, what is your general purpose and plan for us as believers? And I, and I feel like, you know what, there's a section of scripture, well, there's scripture everywhere, but there's a section of scripture that really speaks of uh, what our basic overall purpose as believers, his plan, what he has laid out for us as ministers of the gospel, as you've been hearing me preach as well over the last several weeks, what that looks like. So we, we know that Jesus came here to push the factory reset button in you. He didn't come just to pluck you out of here to get you to heaven and keep you out of hell. If you don't know Jesus, you're going to hell. But with Jesus, eternity is set. But if that was it, he would have just plucked you out of here and taken you to heaven when you said yes. But he didn't. He left you here. Sometimes we think, why? But he left you here. He pushed that factory reset button because he wanted us to be exactly what he created us to be in the first place. So we take a look at this and we realize, you know what? When he hit that factory reset button, it was to bring us back to what we've been called to. I want us to look real quick at Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to look at three verses. Hebrews 10, 23, 24, and 25. I'm going to tell you up front, Hebrews 10, 24, 24 and 25 are often preached to make sure people get in church and stay in church. But I'm going to take it from a little different angle today. Hebrews 10, 23, 24, and 25. Let us hold unswervingly, this is from the NIV, to the hope we profess. For he 
who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day. Um, just real quick, that word day, what do you know, notice interesting about that? Capital D. So it's not just any day, it's the day. And what day do you think he's talking about? The day of his return. The day of his return. All the more as we see the day approaching. So let's just take a look at this for a little bit. Verse 23. Regarding the believer, what are we called to? Well, first of all, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we Profess. Funny enough, if you get into the Greek, if I'm ringing here a little bit, Richard, you can bring me down. I, I, I feel like I'm ringing him own head here a little bit. Um, it could be my stuffed up ears. Who knows? Let us hold unswervingly to the hope. In the Greek, that's actually the word faith. And again, faith and hope. But, but, but really, we're looking at our faith in who, folks? Our faith in who? Our faith in who? Hold on unswervingly. In other words, don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. Keep looking straight ahead. Don't swerve. Some of you might be very quick to say, look at Peter. He got on that water by faith, but he looked to the right or to the left. Yeah, he was the only one that got out of the boat, though, don't forget. So don't give him too much of a hard time. But he got out of the boat, and yes, he did. He allowed what was going on over here and what was going on over here to catch his attention. And he's looking both ways in what began to happen. He went from walking by faith to by feelings. Faith, fear. There's winds, there's waves, there's storm. Fear, wind, wave, storm. He was walking by faith, not by what? Or he wasn't walking by faith. He was walking by sight, yes. And, and, and so he began to sink. Well, what I love about it is this. This is the God we serve. Don't miss this. This is the God we serve. He was immediately there to put his hand down and meet Peter right where he was at. I don't see Jesus standing 100 yards away going, up, oh, tisk, tisk, tisk. Well, I guess you screwed that up, didn't you, Peter? How are you going to get out of this now? No, it says immediately Jesus was there. That's the God I serve. Okay? So by faith, Peter stepped out. And yes, he did swerve. The writer of Hebrews is saying, don't swerve. I'm telling you now, don't do it. Keep looking straight ahead. Keep looking straight ahead. Unswerving. Believe the promises of God. Trust Him fully for who He is. Who He says He is. What He says He's done. So here, here's what happens. And let me, let me just get into this real quick because I want to move kind of quick here today. First, let's, let, let's just imagine. How many remember that moment you first encountered God? You encountered God and you said, wow. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Some people call it the, 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 the warm fuzzy time. You know what I'm talking about? It gave you the goosebumps. You just encountered God's power. And we sit there and we're like, oh, yes. Did you have any problem responding to God when that happened? Did any of you have any problem responding to God when you experienced that? Not at all. Our first encounter of God, we're fully aware of Him. And we are not going to say no to Him. We're going to say what? Yes. Yes. 
We also call that a mountaintop experience. But here's the funny thing. Just like Peter, what did Peter do? He went, went, went when the uh, transfiguration took place and Jesus was, was talking with Moses and Elijah as they had stepped down uh, from the heavens and Jesus suddenly is in his glorified body and Peter and James and John are all like, oh, and Peter's like, let us build a temple so we never forget this. And Jesus is just kind of like, huh, Peter, you're missing the point. What was Peter focused on? The might and the power of Jesus or that moment? What was Peter focused on? All that Jesus has declared he is and what he's declared over us, or was he focused on how he felt at that moment? How he felt at that moment, right? And so he wanted to build a tabernacle to not forget the moment. How many churches are dying still waiting to get back to where they were 20 years ago? Oh, I just heard something the other day. We used to have, it, it, it's a, a small church, we're about 30 people now. We used to have 200 people. And we just sit around and we talk about how can we get back to those days. And I think, oh man, that's the problem. You're not supposed to get back to those days. You're supposed to get, 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 get forward, moving forward in what God is doing now. So you're living in a moment rather than living for, you're living in a moment rather than letting him live in you. Are you hearing that? Yeah. Who's with me? Have I lost people completely? Okay. I just want to make sure you're following me just for a second. So we're fully aware of them when we experience them. But as we begin to walk through life, how many know we start to experience trials? Yeah. And you sit back, but I'm a Christian. I gave my life to you, God. What's going on? Why is everything seemingly falling apart? You hit that wall, right? And it's a struggle. And sometimes, if you're not careful, you let feelings, you let self carry you away. And before you know it, you're finding yourself beginning to really doubt, which that happens. But you find yourself beginning to question. Yes, that happens too. But what really is the most difficult part is your eyes become fully focused on your feelings and yourself rather than the faith with which is going to carry you through. See, we sit back going, why don't I feel the way I did before? Why don't I feel your presence, God? Why don't I feel you right now? Why don't I feel you like I did when I said yes to you, Jesus? Anybody ever said that before? I can't, I can't quite get it anymore. I've even heard people say, I'm just not feeling it anymore. I'm like, how about we faith it a little bit here? <laughs> I'm just not feeling it anymore. Folks, that's our problem. We're trying to feel it. But the only thing that moves you in Christ, the only thing that even attracts the Father's power, is not feelings. It's faith. It's faith in Him that attracts, that draws. So it seems as though God is not present as He once was. Um, I believe, and it's one of my wife's favorite movies, and I believe it's one of the greatest sports movies ever. Hoosiers. Who remembers the movie Hoosiers? Oh, come on, man. I think I might have to watch it today. Norman Dale, played by Gene Hackman. He gets in there in this little school. What was it? Hickory? Hickory, Indiana. Yeah, I've watched Hoosiers. He gets in this little school, tiny little school, where basketball is life. Kind of like in Texas, football is life there, basketball is life in Indiana, I guess. 
And he takes this little school and this little ragtag team who's always done it the same way over and over and over again. And he decides, I'm going to come in and I'm going to do things a little different. I'm going to start from the ground up and I'm going to change some things up here. And we're, going to, and we're going to make some changes here because there's more to this than these guys just going it alone and trying to just make a shot and, make point, and score points. Because this is not about individuals gathered together on a, on a floor to try to win a basketball game. This is about one team gathered together to win a game. Well, of course, as you know, if you recall the movie, if you haven't, I challenge you to watch it. It's a good movie. He, uh, uh, they lose a bunch of games up front, and the town just can't stand them. But I'm going to fast forward to the end. Once some decisions are made that we're going to go along with this program, the team turns around, becomes a unit, wins the state championship. One of the coolest endings to a movie. Oh, it's awesome. But I love, uh, I, 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 I think his name was Pepper Rogers. He used to coach uh, the Bruins football years and years and years ago. He made this statement when he brought in a new offense for football that nobody wanted. They thought they needed to do it like they always did. He said, you know what? Bringing in this new offense is kind of like Christianity. You ready for this? He says, if you believe in it only until something goes wrong, you never believed it in the first place. Let me say it again. If you, only, if, if you believe in it only until something goes wrong, you never believed it in the first place. So if you only believe in Jesus and what he says he is, who he says he is and what he says he's done, only until something goes wrong, but then you drop it, you never believed in it in the first place. So I see all these people that say, I'm no longer a Christian. They say, I stopped believing. I, I, I really sit back, and I'm going to tell you what, I'm not in their lives. I don't know the trials they've walked through or the struggles they've walked through, so I'm not going to pretend I do. But what I do know is this. If you have met Jesus, truly met Jesus, you don't turn. You might swerve. That's why it says unswervingly. You might swerve. You don't turn. Now, there's hope in that. Because when I hear people say, oh, no, you know, they used to believe, they used to be a Christian, now they're not. I want to say, no, I really don't believe they ever really were. But here's the thing. That means they really haven't experienced Jesus yet. And that's awesome because it's coming. It's going to happen. So there's hope in that. They, the problem is what they experienced or whatever they experienced wasn't truly Jesus. I'm challenging you right now, church. Embrace the hope you profess. Embrace it. See, these things start to happen, these trials, these tribulations. If we stay focused on these, we're going to question God. And that's a sign that God is not what we want. What we want is to feel good. Right? And then we make a determination. My life is such a struggle, I can't go on unless, I feel, unless I, God shows up. Anybody ever said that? I can't go on unless God shows up. Well, you really need to ask yourself a question. What are you really saying? I can't go on because I'm not feeling it. Or I can't go on because I need the power of God. Either way, the only way to get a hold of that is, number one, stop trying to feel it. Walk by faith. Yeah. Number two, you already have the power of God. Walk by faith. Yeah. Walk by faith, not by sight. 
Oh, I can't do it unless God shows up. You know how many people sitting in church right now don't do anything because they're waiting for something to happen to tell them to do it? When God already was very clear about, do it. I can't. I'm not feeling it. Stop trying to feel it. By faith, you have it. By faith, you are it. I'm in you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. By faith, take hold of that. You know, people have such a hard time that they're like, that's just too simple. Yes! Yes! Jesus said it's so simple, even a fool can get in. Oh, that's offensive. I'm sorry, it's true. By faith, I can, by faith, I have what he says I have. That doesn't make me arrogant. That makes me absolutely and utterly dependent on Jesus. <laughs> Hello? So if I sit around, which I'm guilty of, if I sit around going, I'm just not feeling it. <laughs> I don't feel very strong. I don't feel very powerful. I don't feel very loved. I don't feel very supported. I feel like God has left me. I feel like I'm all alone. At that point, you can decide whether or not to keep wrapping up self or saying, but by faith, that's all a lie. Because I'm not alone. He promised it. He said, I have his power and his might in me if he is in me as I abide in him. I have it by faith. I will not be moved. And I will not be pushed and shoved by these lies, by faith. And how do we know this? Because how many know God is faithful? Well, here isn't as interesting. Verse 23, it says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. You know what it says? Hold on to your hope. Don't swerve because he's faithful. Everything he promised is faithful. Is yours. Take hold of it by faith. Stop feeling it. Stop feeling it. Oh, I tell you what, I love it when I experience God in ways that I haven't before. Oh, I love it. I love it. Thank you, Jesus. I love it when I, but you know what? If I'm just feeling it, then guess what? Tomorrow somebody's going to say something or look at me weird or say something because they're not happy with me. And I can try to resuscitate that old self and it's going to try to lift me up. And it's going to try to get me to a point where I get upset and I get all worked up. You know what? No. This world and this worldly way of doing things, I, I, I can't go by this anymore. I need to go by the life that lives within me, and his name is Jesus. And I believe by faith that I have all things that he has declared. See, God's not going to respond to our feelings, guys. So the more we sit around, and this is the odd, weird complexity of it, the more we say we don't feel it, the more you're not going to feel it. I want, you to say, I want you to hear that again. The more we say, oh, I'm just not feeling it, so I'm not going to do anything, you're not going to feel it. You're never going to get anywhere. Because God is not attracted to your feelings. God is not attracted to yourself. God is attracted to your faith. Does everyone understand that? Maybe you need to tell your neighbor that. God is attracted to your faith, not your feelings. I'll say it to you, Jordan. 
God's not attracted to your faith, your feelings, but your faith. There you go. I saw her. I better tell her. I want everybody, and I'll, I'll, you tell me after church too. Okay. <laughs> Guys, that's important what I just said. Yes. Do you hear me? Yes. Now we're sitting here right now. It's Labor Day weekend. <laughs> so I don't know if you're nodding at me or you're bobbleheading me. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you're feeling right now, and that's okay. I guess that doesn't matter, does it? What's your faith saying? What's your faith saying? What's your faith saying? <laughs> Oswald Chambers said this. And don't miss this because I love this quote. He said, God is only going to give us touches, mountaintop experiences. You ready for this? God will only give us mountaintop experiences when he sees that we are not in danger of being led away by them. God will give you mountaintop experiences only when he sees you will not be led away by them. So when we're sitting around going, I'm waiting for God to zap me. Who's ever said that before? I'm just waiting for the heavens to open up for God to zap me and catch me. And God's going, by faith I already have. If you start walking in the faith, <laughs> That's going to transform you. That's going to change you. I don't like this empty pew here. Maybe I need to preach from it here for a moment. <laughs> you know, I'm with you all in this, in this respect. We, we, I'm such a feelings person, and, and, and that, that's difficult because I do feel what's going on around me. I walk into a room, and I can kind of sense the overall emotional temperature of what's going on. I just got one of those weird kind of things, you know. But feelings, just because that's my personality, does not give me the right or the privileges to operate like that spiritually. I've only been given one way to operate spiritually, and that is by faith. By faith. In fact, by faith goes on Hebrews 11. Let me just read super fast. By faith, Noah, when warned about things he hadn't even seen, a.k.a. it's going to rain even though it's never rained before, and it's going to flood even though it's never flooded before, in holy fear, he built an ark to save his family. Not by feelings. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the Pharaoh's edict. By faith, Moses whom he had, who had grown up in, in Egypt under the Pharaoh, refused to be known as the son of the Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. By faith. Notice that none of that came about but by faith. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around it seven times. I'm reading out of Hebrews 11, guys. 
Verse 36, 37, 38, 39. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskin, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. Oh, I like that statement. It's not that the people, it was the world's way of doing things was not worthy of these people that were walking by They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. 39, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Well, what had been promised? His name is? Oh, they were going to get it. Just hadn't happened yet. Since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Folks, by faith, we experience God's best for us. By feelings, we sink every time. Please hear me on this. By faith, we will experience God every time. By feelings, we will sink and fail every time. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. And let me finish up with this. The other two sections will go kind of quick here. I want to say one last thing. I want you to think about Jeremiah, the prophet, you know, Jerusalem had just been captured. He'd been prophesying it. Jerusalem, get it together. Israel, get it together. Jerusalem had been captured and burned down by the Babylonians. And this is what Jeremiah stated in Lamentations 3. He said, this I recall in my mind. He's sitting in the ashes of the city he loved. This I recall in my mind. Therefore, have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we were not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. That's Jeremiah sitting in the ashes of the very city that he'd been prophesying, saying, guys, either the turn back to God or it's going to be over. It, they didn't turn back to God. It was over. There the city went. They were led out. But what we're found, what he declares is, you know what? We weren't consumed, though. Our city was destroyed and we were captured, but we were not consumed. Great is thy faithfulness faithfulness. See, this is a man who struggled with feelings. We find out Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. He cried a lot. <laughs> he even at times said, woe to the day I was born because how people treated him. But he got his act together and walked by faith. And as he walked by faith, he was able to come back in the midst of utter destruction and still see great is his faithfulness. See, that's where we as believers have got to walk. We've got to hold on to that hope and stop going, oh, but my life, but my life, but my life, but my life. Guys, it's not yours. It's his. <laughs> so here's the thing. How many know we leak? Come on, be honest. How many know we leak? The spiritual prideful, spiritually pride. You got to get your hand up too. I want to see who is actually going to be like, not me. I'm not prideful. No, all of us, we leak. But here's the thing. That's still no excuse. Just because we leak doesn't mean that we can't stand. Let's look at verse uh, 24. Here we go. We can't miss this. Let us consider. Okay, what does it mean to consider? Especially in this term here. Consider. It doesn't mean to just go, hey, there's Dwayne. 
hey, there's Robbie. No, it's, wow, Dwayne Bertner. I wonder how that brother's doing. I wonder how he is. I wonder what it's like to, Lord, I wonder what it's like to be in his shoes. I wonder what it's like to be living uh, the experiences he's living. I wonder what it's like to uh, uh, just walk the things out that he's walked and had to face. Lord, I want to thank you for the man of God Dwayne Burtner's been called to be. I want to thank you that you raised him up for such a time as this. I want to thank you, God, that you want to use him in a mighty way, just as you have been and even more today and tomorrow. I want to thank you, Lord, that you are going to use him to bear your light and your love to a lost and dying world. I want to thank you for that, Lord. The problem is he just doesn't quite see it yet. So, Lord God, show me how I can be a part of your plan for him to see what he's been called to be. That's called considering one another. I just made that whole thing not one ounce about me. No, let's reverse it how most of us would be. Oh, there's Dwayne. Dwayne's such a good guy. He treats me so nice. He makes me laugh. He always has a good attitude. Lord, I just thank you, Father, for all the blessings that, have, uh, that, that you've, been, you've given me. Lord, thank you for blessing my life with knowing Dwayne. Thank you, God, for Dwayne. That's it. The end. That's not considering Dwayne. That's considering who, really? Including Dwayne in on it, but considering myself. But this says here, let us consider how we may, and that's considering one another, spur one another on toward what? Love and good deeds. This is Hebrews 10, 24. Consider how we can spur to love and good deeds. Now, this is what I like. Our goal here in the church, look around here real quick, get a good look at each other. Please, just turn your heads, it doesn't hurt. Just look around. Look everybody around here. Okay. Okay. Your goal here, your goal here is to take your face, show up on church on Sundays, taking your finger off of who and start considering who. In fact, you better never show up for church thinking about who. How many people want to come to church? I just need a word today. I just need a word. Anybody ever said that before? Oh, everybody's laughing because they have. We're all like, yeah, yeah, that's me. Isn't that funny when people don't want to be honest? They're all like, huh. oh, come on, we all have. I need a word. I need to hear something, Lord. Okay, and I can hear the Lord going, okay, you be ready to give something. And then you're going to hear something. <laughs> oh, my Lord Jesus. He says, let us consider how we may spur. Now, what does this mean, spur one another on? Well, how many ever rode a horse before? And them cowboy boots, what's on the back? That was a spur. And that spurs to get those horses moving forward, right? Get them encouraged to move forward. But I'm going to tell you what, when you spur a horse, it's not like, come on, horsey. <laughs> 
Is it? That spur is. It's kind of forceful, isn't it? To get that horse what? Moving. I like another word you find in some of the translations. Provoke. Now, for most of us, especially in this society, we hear the word provoke and we think negative stuff, right? But understand, you can also provoke people positively. Correct? But provoking someone positively isn't, hey, Danny, serve Jesus this week. I didn't provoke him in the least other than, you're annoying. You know? I didn't provoke him in any way. But when I speak the truth in love, oh, that's not me telling people what I think, but sharing truth in a channel of love. We talked about that last week. Everything birthed out of love is of value. Anything birthed outside of love is worthless and will never work. Don't talk to anybody unless it's coming out of love. You could, you could wound them. Let us consider how we may spur one another. So as we live, as we worship, as we serve alongside one another, what do we usually provoke out of each other? Unfortunately, I hate to say in many churches, we often do provoke each other to misery. And that's why the church is in the state it's in, especially in America. Because the church has been filled with self and not love. And it really has, folks. Most of, most of pastors, and I am, I am the chief of this, most pastors, their first thoughts that come across their mind to get people in the church usually is to entice them in the church, entertain them in the church. If I give them some of what they get out there, maybe they'll come here. But here's the problem. If I give them some of what outs, what's out there, it's already, what, what out there is, what's out there is already destroying them. Why would I want to bring that in here? Why would I want to do that? Now, I know you say, well, as in Rome, do as in Rome. That's right. Okay. That means that I'm going to at least understand what it is to walk in love alongside of folks here. But you know what? I still have to operate in love and in truth. And if I'm here just to make people happy and feel good to get them in here, I'm in trouble. And I've made church all about who? And it can be just as much about me as it is about you guys coming in just to hear a word. But the word says here, let's consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let me just simplify this here, folks. The only reason you are to show up for church, for gathering together, and we're going to get in that in verse 25, the only reason is that you may encourage one another in love and good deeds in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, what about worshiping? Guess what? When we encourage one another, we are, we're doing it in worship. Yeah. Aren't we here to be gathering together, worshiping God? Absolutely. But our premise for gathering together as one is to encourage each other as one. So if we show up on a Sunday morning with our mind on us, and this is the sad part, this is the hard part, when we look at the, when we make it goal-oriented, we were talking about this a little bit Wednesday night, when we make it goal-oriented and task-oriented, okay, i got to get to church, I haven't been there in a month, so let me make sure I do. You know what I mean? And it's easy to do that. i got to get to, because I don't want to miss it, because it's good. And I, but see, the problem is we're missing the point. 
The whole point, it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with us. Bottom line is, you know what, folks? Every one of you sitting here, I need you. Brother George Sinclair sitting here, every person sitting in this congregation, Brother George needs you. Right? Brother Dave over here, everybody in this congregation, Brother Dave needs you. And so if we're not here for Brother Dave or Brother George or for myself or someone else, and we're here only for ourselves, we're not really here. Because we're not united. We're not one. We're not gathered in the spirit where our eyes are not on ourselves but on those around us. See, we cannot function as a body of Christ if half the body's missing. And it's not just about Sunday, guys. Honest to goodness. If your whole Christian walk is about Sunday morning, you've missed that too. It's about just being together as a body. So that's why we have to come back to the whole idea of dead leaves. What is filling your life? Is it nothing more than a dead leaf floating around with no life in it? Or are you doing the very purpose God has called you to be? To be a bearer of His image that is called to first encourage those around us. To love and good deeds. And allow some of that image to just splash off. Some of that love to just splash off on all those around us. I know you guys are going to laugh at me, but I stood in the mirror today, shaving, looking at this face. I'm like, oh boy. All I could say after looking at my face, I said, Lord, I just pray I splash a little bit on people today. Some people. I pray I splash on people today. But here, you know, well, of course you're the pastor. Okay, yeah, I get to run my mouth. But you guys are sitting next to each other. You're in closer proximity to each other than I am. You have more influence and impact than I do. Right? You go home with each other. You can ask that, that, that couple sitting next to you that you've never met before out to lunch just to splash on them a little bit. Right? Encourage them to love and good deeds. Say, hey man, there's so much more God's got for you. Oh, I just want you to know how much God has got for you. I want you to know what He wants to do in you. I want you to know what He wants to do in, in, in you and through you. I want you to know that God has more for you than just sitting in your house and going to work and doing your hobbies, and that's it. I've got so much more for you, he says. You are my vessel. You are my image bearer. You are my love bearer. And I want you to take it to this whole world. Does that excite anybody on Labor Day weekend? Thank you, Grant. Thank you, buddy. So it goes on to say in verse 25, we'll wrap this up. Let's consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up what? Meeting together. (laughs) You cannot be away from each other and be able to spur one another on to love and good deeds. You can't be disconnected and still spur one another on to love and good deeds. You must be what? Together. We got to be, guys. We have got to be together. 
And if we allow feelings and self-rule, we will always disconnect ourselves from the purpose we've been called to. Always. But when we walk by faith in everything and grow in that, we begin to realize, wow, there's more purpose here than me just showing up on a Sunday morning to get a word. Now it's time for me to give a word. Now it's time for my life to start sharing the word. So stop giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. And here's the drum roll. All the more as you see the day approaching. How many know that more than ever before, the church has got to stand together? How many know that? And I'm going to tell you, ready for this? You want to know what I believe the greatest, and it's out of pride, but one of the greatest deceits that the enemy has laid upon uh, westernized civilization, and it has just wreaked havoc in the church, is this, isolation. I can take care of it on my own. If I interact with people, that's fine, but I can do this Christian thing on my own. Well, I'm going to tell you, biblically, you are wrong. You can't. Because this Christian thing involves explicitly other people. Every time. In every way. (laughs) Do you hear what I'm saying? And so when we gather together, it's not, yeah, it's good. You enjoy the worship in a place. Sure, you enjoy the word. It speaks to you. Let it speak to you. That's great. But the number one thing is that you sit there and go, but hey, my purpose is not just that it come in here and drop in my heart and transform my life and then sit there, but that it become just it burst forth as streams of living water splashing all over. Amen? So this is why we got to gather together. Matthew 24 says, Because of the increase of wickedness in the end times, the love of most, everybody say most, will grow cold. And he's not just talking about, he's not just talking about unbelievers. And you say, well, I don't get that. All right, let me get into 2 Timothy chapter 3 where we know he's talking about the church. He says, In the end times, people will be without love unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, and not lovers of good. Folks, what's going to keep us at bay from falling into that stuff? What is it? What is it? Us gathering together, considering one another, spurring one another on towards love and good deeds. Does any of this make sense to people today? Do you see our purpose as believers? Believe it or not, do you know, and this bothers some, especially in the evangelical church, this bothers us a little bit, but do you know the first people we're called to? Do you know who they are? The body. Reach in to the rest of the world. And why is that? Because we need to reach out to each other first to keep each other Together, encouraged, so that that as we're working together now, encouraging one another, moving this direction, what's it doing to the rest of the world? 
splashing all over them. You get what I'm talking about? Lord, get, get, get that in our hearts, not just our heads, but our hearts today, Jesus, in your name. God, I want to thank you right now. I know maybe I got a little long, but Lord, I just want that to settle in our hearts. God, you have called us to so much more than just church attendance. <laughs> you called us to so much more than just Sunday school attendance. You have called us to share truth with all people. And you've called us to encourage each other to do good things, good deeds and love, not just to be the love, but to encourage people to be loved. Oh God, change us, shake us up, transform us, Lord Jesus. I know you are. By faith we believe that, not just by feelings. So we're just going to stand up right now and we're just going to sing this song. I love to sing it, and I think it's an awesome song. <clears throat> Let's just sing it together. Oh, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for just one more time declare it now oh lord prepare me to be a sanctuary pure and holy tried and true with thanksgiving i'll be a living sanctuary Lord, we today, I do, I say again, Lord, not by feelings, but by faith. <laughs> not by self, but by faith. God, I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for what you're doing. And I thank you for what you're going to do in me, yes, but even more so through me. In Jesus' name. And we all pray that. We submit ourselves to you. We cast all our fears on you, anxiety. It does no good. Because you care for us more than we could ever care for ourselves. God, you're good, and we praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.